Hello and welcome to Filling the Sink, a podcast from Catalan News. I'm Lorcan Doherty and today we're looking at the cost of living crisis fueled by the war in Ukraine. This winter, Europe was already facing rising inflation and soaring energy prices before Russia's invasion of Ukraine spooked markets and put the brakes on a fragile post-COVID recovery. On this week's podcast, we're going to hear about the economic effects the war is having here in Catalonia. Christina Tomas-White has been chatting to Christina Serradale from Catalonia Trade and Investment. Hi, Christina. Hey, Larkin. Killian Shields will be sharing some stories of the human impact the crisis is having. Hi, Killian. Larkin, how are you? And we're also going to be looking at what measures authorities are taking to tackle the crisis. So... Just as things were getting back to normal after two years of a global pandemic, here we are, cost of living crisis fueled by Russian invasion of Ukraine. It just goes from bad to worse. Sorry to maybe put such a downer on things, you know. But. A little bit bad to worse, yeah. I mean, it, we should point out, of course, you know, we're not feeling the same kind of anguish as what people in Ukraine are feeling, but there are other consequences of the war that are felt way beyond the borders of Ukraine, the, sure. the borders of the country being uh, invaded. But sure. regardless, what are those consequences? Well, on the day of recording now today, we just got figures uh, released just this morning that showed that inflation is skyrocketing in Spain to 9.8% for the month of March. Yeah. Uh, we haven't seen levels as high as that since 1985. Yeah. I mean, when I saw that story, okay, 1985, I was like, oh yeah, that. And then I saw 37 years ago, in my head, it's <laughs> it's it's a bit more recent, but I think 30, it, inflation rates that we haven't seen in 37 years, for me, even seems like, like wow. I mean, it has been increasing um, in, in, I think in January, we published an article saying the highest rate in I don't know how many years and it's just gotten worse yeah, since yeah. the war started. February 7.4. Yeah, so that's the thing. Things were mm. kind of on this trend anyway, but it's obviously been a lot worse. Yeah, fueled um, mostly by energy prices going up. Yeah. Um, we've had an energy crisis. We've done a podcast about it last year. Yeah. We've seen record high prices of energy already at the second half of last year numerous times. So it's just kind of exacerbated issues that have already been there since before the war. Yeah. Uh, I suppose one of the new things uh, that the war has meant, Christina, is, you know, there's been this focus on the kind of products that Ukraine exports. Isn't that right? Yeah. So when I was speaking to Christina Sarray of the Catalan Trade and Investment Agency, also known as Axio, um, we do have a special dependence on Ukrainian sunflower oil and corn imports. Um, not only corn, but other types of uh, cereal, such as wheat. So 44% of all of our sunflower oil comes from Ukraine, and 35% of all of our corn comes from there. Oh, that, that's really significant. Yes. Yeah. So thankfully, because of the harvest time, products needed for this year have mostly already arrived, though there's still like 10 to 20% that hasn't been hadn't been imported yet for this year. But the war still has brought prices up. And it's not just, say, our breakfast cereal as well. Cereal has loads of uses, like, uh, for animal feed and things like this, you know, as well. So both countries together, Russia and Ukraine, they've kind of been dubbed in the past before the breadbasket of the world because they export around a quarter of the world's total wheat consumption and half of its sunflower products as well together, like seeds and oil. Yeah. 
Christina, you spoke to Christina Seredale right when the war kicked off and, and you know, uh, but you actually just caught up with her again to kind of see what the most recent effects were. Um, will we take a listen? Uh, yeah, I started by asking her why it's had such a big effect on us when there's not all that much direct trade with Russia or Ukraine. Okay, here's Christina Seredale. Some of our main clients are, for example, Germany, that have a lot of clients in Russia. So maybe uh, the Catalan company doesn't have a client in Russia per se, but its German uh, client does. So there's all these indirect effects that the longer this war drags on, then these issues start to appear. Um, Also, the indirect effects, we've been reading about them in the news every day. The increase in prices in uh, energy, oil, gas, etc. This is affecting not only the companies um, with trade relationship with these countries, but uh, everyone, especially the industrial sector. Uh, There are certain sectors that are highly dependent on energy to produce their products uh, and obviously the transport sector. Do we need to find alternative sources of products like sunflower oil? I mean, you go to supermarkets, you don't find sunflower oil, but it's more because of a panic buy rather than an actual problem with supply. There is scarcity and there's higher prices. I think everyone in the food processing industry uh, and also the the animal feed sector, uh, they're finding that all cereals, the prices have gone up, even if there's no, there's not a, a scarcity of supply, but because the, there's this forecast, prices now are already hiking up. There, there are some um, alternatives identified, especially for corn producers. Like we could import from Argentina, we could import from the US, from Canada, from Brazil. But uh, the EU has certain regulations which make it more difficult to import from these countries. Uh, For the Latin American countries, which would be Argentina and Brazil, there are certain uh, restrictions due to the fertilizers used. In the case of the the US and and Canada, it's about transgenics, uh, GM food, right? Um, So this is what's brought up at the EU level all the ministers of agriculture last week, they decided to reduce the, the regulations for the import of corn from Argentina and from Brazil. Regarding a sunflower oil, it's not as easy to find alternative markets, especially because the volumes of production to the world of sunflower oil, they're very, very focused on Ukraine and Russia. So basically, um, here, the, maybe the solution or the alternative is to find uh, product substitution, so substitutes rather than other markets that we can import the same product from. And this is a challenge for the sector because obviously you can uh, use soy oil, you can use palm oil as substitutes. Um, but these oils have different characteristics. So, for example, if you have to apply them in the food manufacturing to produce croissants or to produce um, things like this, obviously, you need to redefine the ingredients and the proportions, etc. So the product has the same qualities. 
How has the war impacted the 82 cattle-line companies in Russia and Ukraine? Yeah, so we've been uh, calling uh, the 71 uh, companies that are established in Russia, Catalan companies established in Russia, and 11 companies established in the Ukraine. Then some of them have uh, ceased or reduced activities. Some of them are carrying on the activity. It's not so easy to, you know, just stop producing. And also the Russian government has... Um, They've been threatening to nationalize uh, the companies that are, you know, are stopping activity. So um, we're monitoring this very closely because this is extremely worrying. But we, what we're tending to find is that mainly the industrial companies that are established in these countries, well, some of them, you know, in the Ukraine have had to stop, but some of them are still working, especially if they're in the western part of the Ukraine, which, you know, people are still going to work. They're still working and the, 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 the companies are still functioning. Um, and in Russia, most of them are reducing activity, down sizing, but still working. The problem is that they don't have, they're trying to find that there's scarcity in all the materials they need to be able to continue production. It's going to be harder and harder as, as time passes. Christina Serradale from Catalonia Trade and Investment. Thanks very much to her. Christina, one thing that maybe we didn't touch on there was uh, exports from Catalonia to Ukraine and Russia. Well, I mean, they're not all that significant, to be perfectly honest. Um, so before the, the war, there were around a thousand Catalan companies that would export to Russia and Ukraine on a regular basis. But actually, if we go back to 2014, and if you remember what happened then, there was the annexation, Russia's annexation of Crime, the Crimean Peninsula. And of course, that prompted sanctions from Europe, which were then were followed by retaliations from Russia. So Russia put a ban on agricultural and food imports. And back then, maybe there were more Catalan companies that were exporting, for example, ham or other meat products. But because they couldn't, they started selling them to China. Right. So it wasn't a significant market. However, the ones that still do um, export to Russia, they've faced difficulties um, just with the banking system because a lot of the Russian banks have been forced out of the SWIFT system. Of course, yeah. And another thing to keep in, in mind is that these sanctions don't um, have an effect on orders that were placed before the war or before the sanctions were put into effect. So these companies still have the obligation to provide their clients with um, whatever these products may be, and they're facing all these issues to get them there. Yeah. Uh, the EU has put a ban on luxury items going to Russia. Obviously, Russia, a big market for luxury items. And I remember, you know, reading that Italy was just had some reluctance to that, obviously, because it's, it's a big exporter of that. But actually, Catalonia as well, it's, it's Russia is a small market, but of the products that Catalonia does export to Russia and to Ukraine, the number one for both is actually clothing. So, you know, it will affect some businesses. And and because of all these difficulties, one of the main lines that they're really pushing from the Axio agency, where um, Cristina Sarraray is from, is they're trying to encourage companies to diversify markets. And obviously, this isn't a short-term solution. You know, it doesn't happen overnight. But just to avoid having companies depend on clients or customers that they cannot reach at the moment. They're, they're really pushing them to find new markets. Right. Uh, another side of this is obviously the fuel crisis that Europe is facing. 
Killian, tell us a bit more about this. Sure thing, yeah. Well, Russia is the second biggest exporter of crude oil, and it's also the world's largest natural gas exporter. Natural gas is used to make electricity as well, so obviously a lot of that is used across Catalonia. Now, the EU sources nearly half of its gas from Russia, uh, but Spain specifically sources a lot less. Now, that still has a huge impact on the prices that that we'll be ending up paying here because of EU-wide price-setting mechanisms, but also simple supply and demand. So the whole world is currently in a, in a push to sort of isolate Russia, make it a bit of a pariah state. And therefore, the, the ideal scenario for a lot of people who want to do this, who has that aim, would be to not purchase any, any oil or any gas from Russia. So say for one market, the UK, for example, that maybe gets very little natural gas from Russia, they are still going to have their prices impacted by the simple fact that the EU will then be looking to purchase from the source that they buy gas from. Mm-hmm. So it's it's a very interconnected, intricately connected sort of network that there's very few players involved in, but everyone's going to be implicated. Yeah, Russia is only the fifth biggest supplier of energy products to Catalonia, which Spain gets a lot of energy products from North African countries like Algeria. The rise in fuel prices have had an effect at the petrol pump and Killian's put together this report uh, which features truckers and taxi drivers but also businesses such as manufacturers on how they're being affected. Catalonia has been awash with protests over the past few weeks, much more so than usual. Truck drivers, taxi drivers and regular citizens have all taken to the streets to demonstrate against the rising costs of fuel and energy, making their work and their lives significantly more difficult. Prices were already rising before Russia's invasion of Ukraine, but the war has led to worries over energy shortages, sending prices skyrocketing, a cycle that has severely exacerbated existing issues. At one recent demonstration of taxi drivers, Tito Álvarez, a spokesperson for the Elite Taxi Group, told the Catalan news agency that he's earning 50% less than in 2019 and has seen a rise in operating costs of some 60% over the past year. Fuel, taxes and ad blue diesel have all shot up in price. Juan Carrasco, a truck driver in Barcelona, explained as he protested outside the Spanish government office in the Catalan capital. Truck drivers in Manresa called on the government to provide direct economic support, pointing out that energy and electricity prices are going up across the board. Two days later, around a thousand people not linked to any specific sector took to the streets in Barcelona to voice their frustration against rising energy costs. Una no de la manera a Javier Pacheco, a trade union leader, denounced that a crisis such as this affects working class people and poorer people a lot worse than others and called for solutions from administrations. Hemos venido a dar aliento a los transportistas y a decirles que, que no están solos. Taxi spokesperson Tito Álvarez also sent messages of solidarity to the truck drivers, who are currently in the middle of their own indefinite strike, recognising that the truckers are workers in the same way as they are, and that they can't work below cost. ¿Qué cojones quieren? Que nos sometamos. 
Pues no. The two sectors have even protested together on occasion. Estamos aquí porque la situación se ha vuelto insostenible. Ricardo Costas is another taxi driver who says the situation is unsustainable. He explains that the problems for taxi drivers are not isolated to recent price increases. But he says that this is just the latest in a long line of problems that have put a huge strain on their line of work. From the economic crisis, the pandemic and the now skyrocketing fuel prices. He says at the moment taxi drivers are reliant on the support given to them by the authorities. Of course, many more sectors are also struggling. As well as prices increasing, other logistical issues have also arisen from the conflict, hindering Catalan companies. Ramon Gabarro, manager of the wood importers Gabarro, says that his company had already purchased some orders from Russia, one of the world's biggest exporters of wood, and he's not been able to receive them since. Sanctions also mean that he will have to find alternative suppliers for future orders. Joan Vila, director of the paper manufacturers LC Paper, says that with rising electricity prices last year, the company had to cease production for 10 days and raise their own prices after operating at losses for a period of time. He has no doubts that such problems will only continue unless something is done. And he's aware as anybody that the problem not only affects his industry, but many more too that use a lot of energy. From cement, glass and ceramic manufacturers to even things like hospitals. Doncs hem passat uns costos de d'energia de, del gas principalment del gener del 21. Cardboard manufacturer Iberboard is also struggling badly. Their gas bill rose from 300,000 euro in January last year to 1.5 million euros this year, as explained by its general director Alejandro Guinda. The costs of energy for his company are usually around 9 million euro, but he fears that this may climb to between 30 and 45 million this year. A situation he says is unmanageable for any company. Thanks, Kellyan, for that report. Just listen there and notice that uh, they're all men. <laughs> uh, I suppose in our defence, the sectors that we they, they were the, a lot of the time that's a spokesperson that was put forward from, like, say, truck drivers or taxi drivers, and yeah, happened to be all men. Just in case you were not intentionally done, but. <laughs> the way it came out. Uh, one of the things there, Killian, just you said at the end, a gas bill that rose from €300,000 in January last year to €1.5 million Euros this year. Five times as high, yeah. Imagine having to incur those costs. Yeah, yeah, it's incredible. Like, and at the same time, these are companies that are that would be expected by their customers to offer the products at the same price. Yeah. You know, it's just impossible in so many cases. Yeah. We've heard about the impact there on businesses, self-employed drivers. and uh, But yeah, we know that households are being are feeling the effects too in terms of energy prices at home, electricity prices, uh, shopping bills. Uh, so the question is, what can be done? What is being done? Uh, Christina, the Spanish government just this week announced a raft of measures. Yes, uh, these include a 20 cent discount per litre of fuel for all drivers. So not only, you know, truckers uh, this is everyone um yeah so the, the government is going to discount 
petrol diesel uh by 15 cent and then the actual petrol stations i think right, make up the other right, five cent right um, what um, else aside from this also tenants because most rental contracts in spain they have a clause in them that allow the owner to increase the rent uh once a year according to the inflation rate mm-hmm. but because inflation rates have generally been well they have been historically far lower than they are now the spanish government put in place a new measure that only allows um contracts to go up by at most two percent regardless of the inflation rate i mean there are a few exceptions like if you're a small property owner you could potentially negotiate a higher rate but for all intents and purposes like that's nah, not likely to happen And so this is all part of a a, a 16 billion euro package? Right. It's six billion in direct aid and in um, tax cuts and then 10 billion in loans. Okay. They've also, I see, they've also uh, kind of extended some measures that were introduced during the pandemic to help businesses and things. Right, right. And however, they will only be able to um, benefit from them if they do not lay employees off. So if they were to lay employees off, they would have to pay back however much they got in in aid. So it's a measure to basically avoid, to, to, to help people keep their jobs, right, basically. Right, right, right. And um, in addition to this, the VAT rate for electricity is is still low. Okay. And these measures are in place, well, at the minute, until the 30th of June, right, at least. Right. It could be extended, though, like we've seen with the electricity VAT rate, so yeah, you never yeah. know. The Catalan government, what do we know about them? The Catalan government says that it will announce its own uh, measures on April 5th after fully assessing the legislation that was introduced by both Spain and the EU. Yeah, the EU, of course, gave Spain and Portugal special dispensation to make some of these changes we're talking about because of the Iberian Peninsula's kind of unique position within Europe when it comes to energy. We've already touched on how Russian gas, while still important, it's nowhere near the top supplier. So we have today been discussing the economic effects of the war in Ukraine here in Catalonia. If you haven't heard them already, do also check out our recent podcasts on Ukrainian refugees coming to Catalonia and how they're taking their first steps in their new life here. Time now for our Catalan phrase. What's it this week, Christina? As bagut oli. As bagut oli, which is you have drunk oil, like olive oil. Yeah, or sunflower or oil sunflower or any, oil. any yes, okay. oil, any kind uh, of oil. Can't really guess what that means to be Sounds honest. Sounds unpleasant. <laughs> yeah, yeah, true, true. It's well, yeah, you're, you're onto something there. Um, essentially, it means that you've made a mistake and you're going to suffer the consequences of it. Right, okay, so as bagut oli. As bagut oli. That's us for today. Thanks very much for listening. Uh, thank you to Christina Serradale at Catalonia Trade and Investment and everyone else, all the men that we heard from this week. Thank you very much, Killian and Christina, for joining me today. Thanks for having us. Thanks to you. Next week's podcast is going to be on food. The, I think you're both back for that, actually. Yeah, so yeah. Be. Food, Mediterranean diet, where food comes from, that kind of thing. So that'll be out next Saturday, as always. Until then, for me, Lorcan Doherty, and all of us here at Catalan News. Bye for now. Adeus.